kaitiaki and welcome back to Now That's What I Call Green, the podcast where we are peeling back the layers of sustainability one at a time. I'm your host, Brienne West, and today I am very excited to say that we have a special guest. Okay, I sound like a talk show host. She's a sustainability educator, a friend, a businesswoman, and a genuine inspiration. Now, I forgot to record this intro while she was in the studio. Okay, that's not true. I didn't forget. I couldn't do it. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it's the most embarrassing thing when someone introduces you in a super complimentary manner. So I'm not going to subject people to that. So welcome to another episode of Now That's What I Call Green, and let's roll the tape. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm, I'm good. I'm here in my wardrobe, in my happy place. You are. I don't know why I said hello in such a real creepy voice, but that's, that's okay. That's okay. Thank you again. I, I do appreciate this. I have a bunch of questions for you, but I really just want to have a discussion because we have discussions a lot. I have no doubt we will have lots to talk about. But I want to answer a couple of questions in particular, which number one is why you care. Why do you care? And so many billions of other people don't, right? Because people ask me this question all the time and I I don't really know the answer. So I'm hoping that you'll be able to answer for the both of us. Do you Do you have a moment in time that you can link it to? Yeah, I have a few particular moments in time and I guess I'll start with those, but I feel like they all, they've all built into who I am and why I care so much today. So I, I wouldn't just put it down to one moment or one thing that happened. And I love this question because I'm often asking, why don't you care? <laughs> I mm. often bang my head against the wall thinking, yeah, wh- why don't you care when like genuinely I, I sometimes even want to care less because that would make my life easier, For sure, but I can't. Yeah. Anyway, I think a few moments, one of them goes back to one of my favorite days ever on this planet. When I was nine years old, uh, I lived in Mongolia for about a year and a half with my family. My dad was eventually teaching other vets as a volunteer. And yeah, it was a whole wild thornberries kind of moment. Anyway, I was out in the field with dad. He often did things in Ulaanbaatar, which is the capital city, but I would travel with him out in the countryside and he would do vet work I would just entertain myself and on that day I remember back to not what happened but the feeling the feeling of connectedness with other people across this planet and our interwoven kind of responsibility to look after each other I I remember back to that day a lot not just around why I care about sustainability stuff but I spent the whole entire day, so I'm talking probably eight to ten hours, with this other nine-year-old who knew only Mongolian, very little to no English, and I was the same, with knowing English and very, very little Mongolian, and we just played the entire day and communicated through our bodies and our laughter and our just existence, and, and I think back to that day often because like the things that I do and the things we do over here in New Zealand, the the decisions we make around our food, our clothes, everything all impacts everyone else. And I love everyone else. (laughs) And we're, you know, we connected to them. We are them. And it doesn't matter how different they are from us or the languages they can't speak or how we can communicate. But uh, weirdly, I suppose it's like a kind of intangible. It's not as, as, obvious as the day I watched the documentary The True Cost and learned that the fashion industry was can I swear can I swear on the podcast yeah fuck it oh good the fashion the fast fashion industry was fucked (laughs) um and that was kind of an overt day but generally why I care is is the people I think often 
I'm tied to this like zero waste, plastic free kind of living. And totally that's an element to it, but that's, I like, and yes, I care about the environment, but I'm doing this, you know, for the, for the people who exist and want to enjoy the environment because we are part of the environment and, and all that sort of thing. So for me, I care the social side, which obviously is not detached from the environment, but I care because when you are making decisions and you have the power to make a good or a bad decision, you need to think about other people and make the good one, especially when you're in a place of privilege to be able to make that choice. And so, yeah, those are two, the documentary and that day. I love that. That is totally not what I expected. I I, thinking about it. I guess I didn't know what I expected you to say. It's quite out of the box. It's not like. It's actually um, a lot nicer because so many people, including myself, right, um, we, we think about the environment. For, I, I care about the environment from an animal perspective, right? I want to protect the environment for other species. And that involves people. But you are for people first and foremost. And um, actually, I've never come across that before. And it's a really nice way of looking at it, the decisions we make that we don't even spare a second thought. Like I'm going to buy that fast fashion top, whatever, right? Um and people don't think about how it's uh, affecting things. There's, um, I saw Cotton On were doing something the other day. And as is typical, I've completely forgotten all the details. But they were doing something about, maybe it was, I don't remember. The point was they were doing something about fairness of people. And all I was thinking was maybe the first thing you should do is look at your fucking supply chain. Yes. I just I don't understand how these companies aren't joining the dots for the life of me you can't do a marketing campaign on something you are so atrociously bad at however anyway no and but also when, when you when you think about the people like sometimes there's that whole kind of story around people have destroyed the planet people have ruined it blah, blah. we know that that's not true because there are some incredible people looking after the planet and who've inhabited it, this this world and done incredible things for it uh like I think off, yeah, generally people, uh, we're told that we're the bad ones. We should go sit in the middle of a field, stop breathing and stop existing. <laughs> that would be the most sustainable thing. But I, when I think of the people, it also makes me actually even more passionate about environmental stuff because I want the environment to be a cohesive, thriving place. You know, I won't get a coffee if I don't have my reusable cup because I respect your the world that you exist in as Brienne, you know, I, I respect that you want to go diving and not have my piece of plastic, like <laughs> block your vision of a beautiful turtle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it all links into one. So for me, because I enjoy people so much, that's, that's like, you know, my, my, that's, that's why I care, but it's not the only care. That's such a unique perspective and honestly not what I expected and it's just really refreshing. And because of it, actually, it's a more hopeful perspective because one of the questions I have for you later is how's your eco-anxiety? Because, you know, we're sitting at like a, an 8 out of 10 personally the other day. It was like a 9, so we've improved. But you were always relentlessly optimistic and I suspect you've just touched on why. You probably meet a lot of people who don't give a shit, do not understand why you do. And it's not that they're bad people. It's not that, uh, that they haven't considered other people or, or other whatever. It probably just doesn't factor into what is a very busy, complicated or hard life, right? How do you navigate conversations with people who are apathetic or, and both, people who are actively what's the word derisive shall we say climate change deniers mm. Mm. for example so the first one people who just 
don't care because they don't know or some people aren't as attached to their purpose. Their values and their purpose doesn't, it's not as important for it to drive their actions. You know, there's people who are just happy to plod away and continue. It's like not that driving kind of force. And that may be due to nature and nurture, I think, how they've grown up, uh, what sort of household, but also just how they're built. And that may not be instinctually a thing for them to want to go, oh my gosh, where does my water come from? Where is it going when it goes down this tap is sink? You know, where's my food? Just less inquisitive. And I think for most of those people, and this is like, I, ironic, I guess, because I literally for a job talk about sustainable living, but I encourage people and myself included in everyday life. I don't often talk to them about sustainability stuff. I actually stay quite clear of that. Potentially that's because I know just me existing and being in a room <laughs> represents sustainability stuff and I don't want to kind of be the cliche and rise to what they expect me to do, which is yeah. stand up and preach and talk about things. Yeah. But I try to just continue my life in a joyful, sustainable kind of way, doing things and showing and walking the walk rather yeah. than getting really angry that they don't care because that's not up to me everyone generally has a reason why they don't care why they can't care at a particular moment what i find is most people are kind and caring they just don't have the knowledge the tools the resources or the capacity maybe physically or mentally emotionally to be able to do something so it's not going to be helpful if i get really distressed about the fact that a lot of people don't care. <laughs> it's not going to be helpful if I ram information down, people, down people's throats. It is going to be helpful, and I've learned this from both studying business psychology at university and also living in this world for the last eight years, communicating around sustainability, is actually to do stuff and actually not to often be quiet, be quiet in the moments that people think you're going to talk, because I feel that that often gains a sense of, oh, Kate understands I'm a human. Uh, oh, you know, like Kate's not actually out to get me or to get me over a line or to to make me vote or think or act a certain way. And so you're act, you're opening up that that gate, that wall between the people who do care and don't care. There needs to be synergy and an openness. What what I mainly see is a big barrier that people who don't care are going to care even less or, or or move into that space of climate denial just because just because they can you know just because they hate the annoying vegans on Instagram you know just because that it becomes this kind of like power trip over oh you think you're better than me even if you've not said that <laughs> they they think that's what's going on yep no it makes perfect sense yeah, so that's kind of how I deal with it. And I just I just focus on my own stuff, you know. I think sometimes and you know, to your point around climate deniers and then that playing into your climate anxiety, eco anxiety. You you could just spend so many hours, unproductive hours. <laughs> sitting and dwelling and mulling over all the things we aren't doing but there is so much that is being done I believe yeah. you have a choice every morning when you wake up on what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and personally I think life is a very short blip time goes by in a second so I'd like to wake up and choose positivity and doing what I can do and that seems to work to actually get people on board when you just do it 
so relentlessly optimistic and, and, and okay that's come out sounding so insulting and I certainly didn't mean it to be but it's just actually really really refreshing because I talk to so many people in the climate change particularly I mean you could talk about biodiversity whatever but recently it's been the climate change movement and they are just they're not doing well mm. and I can understand it but there's also is an awful lot of stuff that's going on and actually a lot of stuff that's changing and we for example the, the movement to renewable energy is faster than ever before as a very small example of things going on. So you're right, there is a lot to be relentlessly optimistic about. But the thing that I think this leads nicely into is the thing that drives me fucking insane. And I get it all the time on TikTok whenever I'm talking about sustainability or whatever. It doesn't matter what I'm talking about, actually. If it's tangentially related to looking after the planet, people are like, oh, yeah, but look at you. You started a company and now that company has massive greenhouse gas emissions. Or you started this or you drive a car. And yeah, I do because I have said on a multitude of occasions I'm not a perfect person, but that does not preclude me from doing anything that is better for people and planet and to suggest otherwise is really fucked up. I think it's um, it's a combination of lots of things, right? So these people are feeling defensive because they know that they're not perfect or not necessarily even trying anything. Oh, and yes. uh, they it's easier to lash out than admit that the system needs changing, right? And just just as a, like a, a wee defence, I have an electric car, so <laughs> I feel like that's slightly better. It's not it's not a it's not a silver bullet. But what do yeah, you think about this whole project? The TikTokers, Brian, mm. will say that you should have actually saved that money for your electric car, and you should have <laughs> given it to a charity or something and walked everywhere. That's this such is so true. This is so true. I only live thirty minutes out of the city. Um, it wouldn't take me long to to walk to work or wherever the hell I was going every day. Yep. Yep. Honestly, Brian. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you do. You'll never be enough for people, right? You will never be enough for people. And I know that you get these comments, which is baffling, because you are a damn sight closer to the, and I'm using air quotes if you can't see me, the perfect sustainability lifestyle as much as humanly possible, right? You do a lot better than the vast majority of us, and you still get this bullshit. How do you respond without pulling out your hair? Yeah, I used to, and to be honest, sometimes I still do pull out my hair. <sighs> Responding often, so let's take a particular example. My pet bird died. He was 23 years old. It was my husband's pet bird. He grew up with him. It was a very, very sad time, and I, I shared that online. Everyone loves the two birds. I just have my one now. And someone Adorable. said, now that your bird has died, will you go vegan? Like literally just a blatant message out of the blue. No. What's that got to do with a bird? And, and Did you feed your bird raw steak? Anyway, sorry. Carry on. Anyway, and and I'm very I'm very open about you know the things I eat, the things I don't eat, the fact that yes, I call myself ethically Kate, but ethics are subjective. They are not black and white. But I understand when someone people go, oh, you call yourself ethically Kate? You you can't do this, this, and this then. And it's like sure, if your code of ethics is that, then you know absolutely feel free to deem me as unethical in your eyes. But I'm allowed to have a brand name as Ethically Kate and talk about subjective ethics. Anyway, and, and be different to you. I, I think in the sustainability space, actually in a lot of different kind of niches and groups where you're trying to do something good, it, it does, it quickly becomes you can only do good if you do it all. And people really love to give you a label and then know all of the things that are under there. But unfortunately, a s sustainable living has has a label, 
but there's there's no set of things that are under that list. You know, it's like how people love when they say, oh, you know, what type of lifestyle do you, how do you eat? And they want someone to be able to go, I'm a vegetarian. And then they, they list, you know, okay, they don't eat this, this and this. But there's lots of vegetarians who have different things that they do eat and don't eat. And then everyone gets mad about that. So humans love to put people in boxes. And I just, I guess when I'm, when I'm thinking and responding to particular messages, sometimes I just ignore them because they're a stranger. They have no power or uh, they, they have no justified input into my life. <laughs> and the, the people I trust and respect, they have justified input. And if they were to say something, you know, maybe I would take that on board far more. But sometimes I just ignore them. Sometimes I go back to them and say, hey, there's, there's I can see there's a lot of awesome positive energy that you're trying to get the world to a certain place where for example people consume less animals that's so awesome that you have that passion but how you're doing it is not right so sometimes I turn it into a communication lecture (laughs) around you know how to do good because I want you know I want it to happen I want people to be vocal and to you know, how people consume less animals and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, sometimes I didn't do a communication lesson. But I think these days more I just notice the fact that if I do if I do respond to those comments or let them get to me, that's really unproductive. And again, I have enough people in my life who I trust to hold me accountable to my sustainable lifestyle choices that if I was doing something genuinely that wasn't true to myself they would call me up on that so I don't need strangers on the internet to to help me with that <laughs> no it's the very definition of ironic itself the only people oh, okay most of the people I've received death threats from have been vegans wow yeah death threats even oh oh yeah totally yeah yeah um one time I was talking about how there's too much plastic in the ocean and a tiktoker as just started an argue with me in the comments like why don't you talk about the fishing industry and I was like because this isn't even remotely related to the fishing industry because I'm talking about consumer plastic mm. and he was like yeah but why don't you tell people not to eat fish how dare you eat fish you're 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 an awful person because you eat fish and I was like dude I probably haven't eaten fish in 20 years let's let's rein that in and he said but why didn't you tell your people not to not to eat fish I'm like because that is a very complex nuanced argument and whilst I agree with you that the fishing industry is a disgrace, what you're saying is is kind of not the way to go about doing what you're trying to do. And unfortunately, I find that is true in, in every extreme argument version of, of everything, right? So, um, yeah, I've had death threats from vegans. I, I, um, years and years ago, at the very beginning of a teak, um, I asked somebody wanted a honey and uh, honey and oat soap, and I said to people, "How do they feel about honey?" And that was where the first ever death threat came from. And then they sent all their wow. friends to come and get me, just because I talked about honey. And look, wow. I don't even want to get into the veganism debate, but the extremism and the the perfection is is mm. bonkers and very, and it does just stop people from doing things. And it's it does such it, a shame. It totally, I think most people I talk to when they hear my content is they stay around because they go oh my goodness like I can just do something because they they just 
people think if they can't commit fully, they have to just turn turn away. I was talking yeah. to my friend who had two newborn twins and she was really trying her best with um, waste and, and she was like, oh, I can't really do the reasonable nappy thing because I've got two twins and they're so young and there's so many a day. And I said, hey, how about you have the two of them in reusables for one day a week or one of them in reusables for one day a week? You know, what if you do that? And it was like this light bulb moment went off oh my gosh, I could, mm. you know, and that would actually save five to 10 nappies, which is, you know, a lot of rubbish. But but then she started to get scared that if she told her other parenting friends that, that they would then go, oh, you know, but I, I use all of the reusable nappies for my child all the time. So I just think there's this really toxic, I'm looking in your supermarket trolley kind of behavior that's really, really holding us back. Because imagine if we used all of that energy into driving forward and actually looking after each other and looking at solutions mm. rather than trying to tear each other down. Because we also then have to think that we're talking right now about individuals mm. and imperfection, but individuals impact is very tiny and minuscule, you know? So if that person spent, you know, the amount of time writing a death threat to you about something you're not doing, maybe if they spent that time, like, writing a really carefully crafted email, perhaps ChatGPT or something could help with that, to <laughs> a large corporation about things they should change, potentially that would have been more productive for their cause and their obvious, you know, passion and and their heart may be in the right space, but how they're doing it is not. So exactly. I think they need to be more, more clever. We need to change the system. The This is why I keep saying that the only way to change the world is to change business. Yeah. So totally agree with you. Go and harass your corporations, but don't be dicks about it because the people answering those emails are still individuals They're too. still individuals, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. The corporation, I mean, go for your life in the CEO. Okay, I'm sort <laughs> of joking. But... I am joking. They're not but, people like CEOs, aren't yeah, it, it is so weird. I mean, I've had people I, on, a, on a recent, the same video actually talking about plastic. And um, my, my point was the people to blame are not the people who are supposedly just throwing their stuff in the ocean. The people to blame are the people who are making this goddamn stuff and also the countries who are exporting their waste to developing nations. And um, they were like, oh, this is like blaming the gun manufacturer when someone shoots someone. What the, f why are you? Why are you doing mental gymnastics to defend a company that I promise you doesn't give a shit about you, doesn't give a shit about the environment or anything? Like Coca-Cola does not need your defense. Anyway, it's I find the world a very baffling place at times. But they've done very well. Marketers have done a fantastic job of turning us against one another instead oh of against yes. the people who are actually causing the problems. They they have. And, and if you also step back and you think, okay, these – these followers are on our pages, people who are, you know, trying and spending and dedicating a lot of our time to trying to do good or just do a little bit of good. These people have commented on our pages instead of like the TikTokers who have done like Timu hauls. And oh, do you know what I mean? It's like, a little bit. yeah, sometimes like why, why is the, the energy I think often is directed at at people like us who are trying our best to get messages out and we can't get all of the messages out, <laughs> but we're, we're trying our best. It's directed there because I think, as you touched on earlier, there's a lot of people who are insecure about what they can't do and don't do. And they're told by other educators that they need to do all of these things to be perfect, that they need to do it now, that they need to sacrifice their mental health, their well-being to do it all. And so when they come across someone and they're not doing it all, but they're still 
being successful in their sustainable business or being successful as a online sustainability influencer, they go, oh my gosh, no, I'm so angry at you. <laughs> and I, I totally understand that. I would feel really angry too. But yeah, it's a complex thing. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> I, you know, with trolls in the past, I've often given them my cell phone number and said, call me because sounds like we need to talk. No one's ever called me. Fuck, I love that. That's genius and brave and you know they're not going to call you because you know they're just not built like that. But that's But if that's they did, so we'd cool. have a good conversation. But yeah. the fact they haven't called me, I think then shows often they'll suddenly be like, oh my gosh, she's actually a person and she has feelings too and, whoa, what did I do? I would never have written that to someone in person. I would never have said, yeah. It's a good way to diffuse the situation when you rise to their conversation. Genius. I love it. <laughs> Brilliant. Do you, do you have a specific story or like one shining moment where you were just like, absolutely, we can change this. This is amazing. I love these positive stories. So I can never have too many. So many just flash through my mind at once, which is a cool thing. One of the most positive things, and it's not you know, an, an amazing business who's done something there are many but I think for me the, the the thought in the moment that pops into my mind is I went to talk to a school a primary school and the teacher had just known me from social media and she said hey can you come in and chat and I kind of have a certain amount of volunteer hours that I can go into schools and chat because public speaking is what I do for a job, but I love going to schools. It really fuels me. And this was one of the biggest fueling moments. I came to the school, always I have no, no idea what to expect, but I go into this auditorium and the bell goes for lunch and I've set up all my things and probably, I think maybe about 100, 100 to 200 kids come in and there's a, a small group of them who line up in this line and they've never met me before, but their teacher may have told told them things and they all have different cards that they've made every single one of them I feel like I could I could I could pick apart and analyze these different cards but they were they drew these things around reusing and uh you know the wildlife and all these different concepts that actually you could see especially from the whole session meant a lot to them and they were it was they were getting it. They understood things. But they, they stood in this line, give me all these like cards, and I knelt down and like looked at each one of them and they explained their like drawings about the planet. And they were just some beautiful, beautiful pictures. I think kids often take things like sustainability, you know, they they different ideas don't form literally in their mind around what this means. They don't have preconceived ideas around what a sustainable lifestyle looks like or how we can save the planet. So they drew and wrote all these words that I often open up and look look at because they help me restructure my mind, things that I've cemented unhelpfully around sustainability. But that was a really hopeful moment I often think back to because these kids are going to grow up and they're going to make decisions and already they're understanding concepts that they understand quicker than when I go and speak at corporate spaces, you know, already they're going, yeah, that makes practical sense. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and and they also had a amazing compost space and worm farms and another group of kids took me on a tour and you could tell they were so proud of the space and they loved it and they knew 
they just knew so much. These are, you know, six to 12 year olds. Yeah, you educate kids, you change families because the best way to change an adult male's mind is through his daughter. So you're, I love that you love speaking to children. I get asked all the time and I will say I've done it once, but children, yeah. t- schools scare the living daylights out of me because I just don't necessarily have great memories of a lot of years at my school. Yeah. Um, so you're very, send them all I love my way. Yes. I, I will, fun. actually. I will. It's so much fun. So much fun. You need to come and do a school tour down here, actually, then. Come yeah, to Ōtutahi. I will. We talked about, we actually talked about fishing, we talked about veganism and diets and so on, right, which is actually something that's massively, obviously, cultural, but it's also socioeconomic, right? And the idea that everyone can just go vegan will, you know, immediately diminish agriculture emissions and and deforestation and so on and so forth is a wonderful scientific-ish way of looking at the world but it's completely avoiding ignoring the human factor and it's a very elitist argument and look like i said about the fishing industry despise it but also it is the dominant source of protein for about uh, 1.2 billion people on earth and you can't just take that away so how do you have conversations with people around that sort of thing and in particular because your focus is is fashion-ish i suppose how do you talk, because I never know how to answer this question. Fast fashion is vile, right? Um, I appreciate that it is something sometimes all that families can afford, but it is massively impacting people over there that we just don't think about. And I think that's gross. Mm. My argument is, or my, my comment has always been, I'm not talking to you. If that's all you can afford, no judgment, no comment, nothing. I'm talking to the people who go and buy a onesie for one night or who will go and buy a new t-shirt or a new dress for a night out, right? Yeah. But you probably have a much smarter way of saying this or a different point of view. Yeah. Well, I think with the the fashion space, absolutely your answer of I'm not talking to you, you know, buy the thing, do what you have to, move on. But to be honest, a lot of the people I talk to who may think they're in that space are not because they, they haven't, they just haven't educated themselves around what clothing is and how they can actually save money if they consume clothes more sustainably so I think I get I I try my best to understand why they're not able to and again if we get down to the fact that they're living week by week it's actually not even possible to buy a $200 dress even if the cost per wear is lower than you know seven fast fashion made one it's week by week $200 is not feasible I, I, I understand that and often that is the case with some people. And again, move on. You're not the problem. Buy those things and don't buy them with guilt. And don't let anyone else tell you that you are part of the problem. But again, a lot of people just don't understand that. They don't, they don't picture or reframe their thinking around clothes and what they need and why they need it. They are, they are drawn and driven by marketing and trends and what their parents did, what their friends expect of them. They are they have pushed on by all of those things. So when they tell me, oh, Kate, I'd love to buy ethical fashion, but I just don't have the money. I then, again, find out why, why they think they don't have the money to. And if I can help them strategize a way to partake in sustainable fashion. Mm-hmm. Because... Nice. For a lot of them, they may have a full wardrobe full of amazing clothes that they just don't know how to style. 
and they don't need to buy anything more <laughs> and they can swap with their friends if they have any friends who are similar size to them. So I think when people just say no and they just want to keep their original habits, I will always, yeah, just ask more questions and just investigate only if that situation, you know, only if I have a relationship with them that is that warrants that. Because obviously if it's a random person and they've said that and I'm suddenly asking them all the questions about like <laughs> how much do you a week? Yeah, how much do you earn a week? Yeah, how many pairs of underwear do you have? And like <laughs> But but I, I yeah, I I think that's why I've done things in the past, like the wardrobe freeze or different challenges and just talked about different concepts. It helps really deconstruct people's you know, solidified ideas of that every every Saturday morning is shopping day, you know, <laughs> that I've just, I've done this since I was born. So why wouldn't I do something different? Mm. Just trying to, just little tidbits to be able to rewire people's ideas of, um, again, particularly talking about fashion and clothing. But yeah, that's, that's kind of how I do it. Because we always end up in a space that honestly, for most of the conversations I have, people go, oh yeah. I could do a bit, you know, a bit better. I'm not, they're not about to potentially overhaul their entire lives, which I wouldn't recommend anyway, because doing that all at once doesn't really Never often lead to long-term change. But yeah, most people can be like, oh, I could, I could do this a little bit better. I could, I could do something. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. A lot of people, and I, I do like the way you framed that actually, because on occasion when I've brought this up, people have called me elitist. I mean, it's a very elitist way of looking at things especially actually plus size people. So they've said, well, there's no opportunity for plus size sustainable fashion. And I mean, it's certainly not how I ever want to make people feel, but um, no, that's a really, really good point is it, it actually, you may not be as unable to afford sustainable fashion as you think, because you actually may not need to buy anything at all. No. Because actually yeah. heart of it, let's be honest, that's the thing is don't buy it if you don't need, yeah. not want, need it. I remember as a, as a teenager, I would spend um, every probably almost every afternoon and most weekends at O'Connell's, which was the, um, I don't know if it still exists, the mall in uh, Queenstown. And that was just because that's what we did. Now I'd rather set fire to myself than set foot in the mall. But, you know. I I remember going to the local, the the plaza was across from our high school and there was a JJ's, which is still. JJ's? Yeah. I don't know how this plaza of shops has evolved and there's a lot of stores that are empty and it's really gone downhill, but the JJ's <laughs> remain strong. And I remember loving the bargain bins there. And you'd sometimes be able to find matching t-shirts that we could all buy. There could be like three to five of us could have a matching bright pink with a horrible, horrible, <laughs> I hate printed t-shirts, but a horrible print for like $7 or you like that was the coolest thing. Yeah. And so, but actually to that point, that's in the past, right? And we've moved on and we'd rather set fire to ourselves. But <laughs> but those moments were amazing, right? Those are childhood memories that that I treasure and, and I and I actually, you know, I still find joy in thinking about because of the the social elements of feeling all together, the you know, it was fun. It was so much fun and it was using our money from our you know, little jobs or pocket money or whatever. It was it was a great moment. So I, I think it's also, it's not as simple as just being like, now I'm going to shop sustainably or now I'm going to shop here. Or, I'm just going to stop that habit. I'm just going to like break that. We need to think about what we're going to fill those moments with because for a lot of people, 
they may be listening thinking, oh, I, I still do go to the mall every Saturday and do a thing. I haven't broken that habit. So if you're just going, okay, I'm going to break that habit now. Uh, I, you know, I, I want to do better. You need to fill that time and that amazing feeling with something else mm. and something else that is productive. <laughs> something else that, I, I mean productive as like something that. else, not like suddenly you I don't know, a drug addiction or something like that. But <laughs> <laughs> something else. I'm not sure that's a scale. <laughs> I'll you know, like, and take up heroin. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll fill it with this. <laughs> but yeah, something else that, that brings you that same amount of joy, that connects you with your friends and family the same amount, actually choosing what you're going to fill it with because most people set them out, set themselves up for failure when they just go, oh, I've heard something. I'm passionate about sustainable fashion now. I'm just going to stop. Yeah, that's something good. so true. And you did write about the childhood memories because we never had stores in Queenstown. Queenstown was <laughs> not like the Queenstown it is now. And I think the first store I remember getting was a JJ's actually. It's still there. It's still exactly the same as I remember it, which is not a, a nice reflection upon JJ's, but I, I will remain civil here. But yeah, I remember those bargain bins and I remember the t-shirts and I, I remember the everyone, I remember at one point there was these jackets that they had different types of and they were just the coolest things in the world, even though, you know, I would have died if my mom hadn't bought me a jacket. And then there was another time we got a dotty and um, my mom, bless her heart, bought me a tartan pleated mini skirt for her 15 year old daughter. Which I still have. That's so interesting. Good. That's what that is. And, That's and we'll see pictures of you wearing it on Instagram. Um, I, there are certainly Come pictures up. of me wearing it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and my Facebook is locked down for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I even have white long socks on. Oh, that's Jesus. So good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> good as a memory. <laughs> In the it's also good that I kept it because you know should I ever need to dress up as I can't think of anything other than a schoolgirl for whatever reason yep. then I still have that there you know and and on that note we will leave that we will leave that there <laughs> um that has been a really fascinating discussion actually and you've given me some interesting viewpoints and you're so much more I, I've known you for ages but you're so much more positive when you discuss quite tough conversations it's actually really I don't know uplifting I was kind of in a meh mood and now I'm in a much more cheerful one, which is really nice. I'm glad it, I'm glad it uplifts rather than makes people annoyed at like, I, I do not like the toxic positivity that, you know, can sometimes happen. I, and I really, I don't ever feel that because I also have real, you know, shit days and moments mm. and that. But thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that feedback. And I hope that no one ever feels like I'm living in a fairy tale land of goodness because I'm certainly <laughs> not. <laughs> no, I think you're it, you uh, you just describe the good and the bad, and in in a way that doesn't make one feel more overwhelming than the other. I mean, what I said that was a truly enlightening conversation that has made me think a little bit differently about some of the ways I approach stuff. A massive thank you to Kate for sharing your wisdom and your hope with me. It's conversations like these that remind me there is so much going on in the world of sustainability, and there are so many people working in different ways to achieve the same end. And that, if nothing else, should fill us with optimism. It's not about perfection. As we said, it's all about progress. The next episode is all about sustainable diet, as I promised. It's taken a little bit of research because, as you can imagine, it's quite complicated. And the one after that will be about sustainable gifting because, I don't know if you've noticed, but it is that time of year. And I'm going to have a particular focus on kids' toys. So thank you for joining us. I'm Rianne West. This has been Now That's What I Call Green. <laughs>